0: Hey, I'm Sam Bass, the first officially licensed artist of NASCAR, and you're listening to The Bucky Burt Show.
1: In the
2: center. Who will take the lion's share of one hundred eighty thousand dollars? A little higher, three and four. The for advantage to the right twenty-four. Here. White flag in the air. One more time around for Gordon.
3: Welcome to the Bucky Bird Show.
0: Welcome to the Bucky Burt Show. I'm your host, Bucky
4: Burt. And I'm Peter Flaherty III. Why
0: do you sound so, like, down? Well, what's what's up?
4: Uh, I just finished watching a documentary on Netflix called Seaology or Sea Conspiracy. Yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's on my, that's on my list to watch.
4: Uh, well, make sure you bring... Well, two things you need: you need a box of Kleenex, and you need uh, a knife to slit your wrist after watching it. Okay. It's it's depressing, Bucky. There's nothing coming from it that's gonna make you in a good mood. It's just gonna make you. Depressed, And that's that's the mood I'm in after watching it. The images that I have in my brain right now, I'll never get out of my head. It'll be there for the rest of my life. And it's just sad <laughs> just So say that.
0: So did you watch uh, a couple, of, maybe like five, six years ago, did you watch Blackfish? Yes, I did. Okay, so it doesn't give, you know how like when you watch Blackfish, uh, and I'm included because I watched Blackfish, because I didn't really know like what was going on. Right. Um, you know, with everything. And then like after I watched that, it gave me, you know, this urge to be totally against SeaWorld. Correct. And and I am a I am anti-SeaWorld. And I know that, that, you know, there's people that say, well, SeaWorld does this, does that, does this, does that. Well, I'm sorry, but 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 killer whales belong in the ocean, okay? And you right. look at their lifespan compared to in captivity and, and it's, it's stark differences. And But I'm also, I've always, as long as I can remember, I've been a fan of the Sea Shepherd, uh, Captain Paul Watson. Yes. And, and one of my favorite TV shows, which, um, you know, was, was Whale Wars. And I was so addicted to watching Whale Wars because they, it was... It was, you were on the edge of your seat because you were watching these, these, the Sea Shepherd, uh, people, uh, try their best to hunt down the Japanese whaling fleet to stop them from killing whales.
4: Well, uh, they got, de- they're in this documentary as well.
0: Yes. I did see that Captain Paul Watson was in the documentary. And, yes. And I, and so it's on my list to watch. I plan to watch it this weekend. Yes. Um, so, so yeah. So, well, I'm glad you watched it. And, yes. And don't, don't slit your wrist. We are totally against... Uh, <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, we're Obviously, totally against I'm, that on the Bucky Burke show.
4: Of course. It was just... It was just... It was just it's bad. Awful. It's, it's awful. awful. It's awful. Now, uh, I'm, it's of course, I'm reading into it on the internet. A lot of the stuff is... Um, I'm sure they embellished a lot of it to get their point across. And, you know, like every documentary tries to...
0: But I'm on the I'm on the side of believing it though, correct. I'm because there too. I've seen way too many things that that are hard to to deny what he's claiming.
4: Correct. I'm I'm with you there. 100. percent 100 percent with you. Um, you know my take on the SeaWorld thing is that you know I think SeaWorld is not buying any more uh, marine life from what they have already. I basic basically the animals they have now are such they're so you know in captivity for so long they wouldn't survive in the wild. So I think once these fish die off or mammals die off that'll be it there'll be no more killer whales once they're gone if that makes sense. because i think sea doesn't want to have that on their heads and but they do do a lot for preservation and all kinds of stuff at the same time so i can't shit on sea world all that much you know what i'm saying well i don't
0: understand how you're trying to preserve killer whales by taking them and holding them in captivity when their life doesn't last as long when they're out you know when they're in captivity versus in the ocean
4: but i digress The problem is, though, Bucky, because they're so used to human interaction, um, they would probably not survive in the wild because they're so used to it, especially the young calves that are born in captivity. They don't know what the wild is. You know what I'm saying? And most of the fish that are in the wild are are born in captivity. There's very rare fish that were... know the original ones that were probably bought from the ocean but they've had you know calves since then in captivity and they all they know is captivity life you know what i mean like same thing goes with disney with the lions and the tigers and any zoo you go to i mean a lot of those animals probably wouldn't survive in the wild you know what i mean yeah no i get it i mean i guess i guess just don't try and get any more is what i'm saying right and i think they're not i think they really they're i think they're they're moving forward with that notion and their thought process so i think they've learned their lesson from what you know i gather so that's it we don't want to get any first the, the positive let me get some positive news for you bucky uh it's opening day in baseball no no that's that's pretty good uh, as a Red Sox fan, it's, it's, I'm kind of iffy right now. I'm still not 100% sold on what we have right now with the, the way the Yankees are looking. So it's hard for me to care about baseball when the Yankees win. So even though they haven't won, but I'm just, you know, it's hard. It's rough. Um, my PlayStation 5 finally came in. Yes, I heard. Or actually, I saw and uh, let me tell you, it is definitely an upgrade from the PS4. Um, I, I had a little bit of issue with it. I will, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I don't understand how you build a system with less memory than the system prior to yours. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you downgrade the memory?
0: Especially I, when when they
4: want every everything to be digital.
0: Correct. And, and that, you're
4: supposed I, to transfer your PS4 Uh, yeah content over that makes no sense to me and i couldn't do it because i couldn't transfer everything over i had to pick and choose what i'm gonna download because of the space i lost from the playstation pro to the ps5 and i just find that Never should have happened. I think. Can you can you
0: upgrade like buy more memory?
4: Yeah, you can buy an external hard drive, and they will recommend you doing that. But if I'm paying five hundred dollars, I would, I, I, you know, you know what I mean. I don't, I don't want to have to go buy more shit. Yeah. Well, can you buy a
0: PS5 that already has the extra memory space?
4: No. No, because a Pro Edition for the PS5 is probably not due out for another year, year and a half. And how much Which do you I'm think that's sure. going to be? That'll probably be six hundred because it'll have the the more memory and and everything. But the the, the positive thing about the PS Five is it's it's quiet. Mm-hmm. It's so much faster, um, the processor. So like playing Call of Duty last night, I, I noticed a huge difference in the gaming experience. Um, it was such, there was, it was the, the movements were so, were so crisp and fluid. And, um, I got to take a second and say the sound, the sound quality that comes out of this system, Bucky is amazing, amazing sound quality. From
0: the controller or
4: from, from or just from just everything, everything, everything. Having a, a Bose surround sound system, the Bose system is smiling from cheek to cheek because This system is producing some major sound coming out of it. It's great. Hmm. So that's the upgrade. 100% is the sound is amazing off the PS5.
0: Well, you know, the PS5 is honestly the hardest thing to buy right now. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm still waiting to get my hands on a PS5. Yes.
4: Uh, And when I do... You're gonna have to walk me through some of the steps so. yeah it's 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 just like every new system there's definitely a learning curve but once you learn it it's like getting a new iPhone you know when the iPhone took away the home home screen or the yeah, that home was button
5: little, that was that, hard, was to get
4: used to. that <laughs> hard to get used to but now you're used to it you know it's the oh, same yeah. kind of thing you know it's that same kind of thing to get getting getting used to it but um, so yeah. what games do you
0: have for your PS5
4: well, it's obviously all my PS4 games are played on the PS5. As long as you have the disc, you know, pretty much you can still play. What if you it. bought? What if you
0: bought them digitally? Because like, I bought the the latest Crash game. I think it's Crash Four. Right. I bought that uh, digitally because it was on sale for. It, it'll um, transfer over.
4: Everything will transfer over. Anything think- connected to your PSN. I believe so, except for the only thing I saw that wasn't able to was the the Avengers game that came out. I guess it's not ready to be transferred over yet.
0: Well, I don't plan on playing that.
4: I know you don't, but I just saw that that was one of the games that was not able to transfer over.
0: So speaking
4: of, I think on the last
0: podcast, you and the kiddos were going to watch that four-hour-long movie,
6: uh, Marvel versus d c or what no, it was
4: in Justice League
6: and yeah that it, it. it was very
4: good. It was uh, a lot better than the original cut. um there's some issues i I still have with it um, of course and but from from a movie standpoint from a uh whenever you remake something not really a remake but whenever you redo something you try to make it better and they definitely did that so kudos to them doing that um i didn't mind the length the 4 hours i don't it didn't really bother me too much because you kind of needed it to tell the story and, okay. and um you know there's you know it, it just it was good it was it, it, it to me it was on a scale out of 1 to 10, I gave it, I think, a 7-5. So, it was, you know, it was a decent flick.
7: Hmm.
4: No, it was good.
0: No, it was good, it's good, it's good. It's good, it's good. Peter gives it a 7 out of 5. I seven, mean, out 7 out of 5. You know. 7 but, out of 10, it's good. It was good. It's
4: good. I'm not going to complain. Okay. It was good. All
0: right. Well, I know my brother wants to see it. And uh, and I said, well, we'll watch it. Uh so, uh, so I don't know if I'm gonna watch it this weekend or not. Yeah. Possibly on Saturday. I don't know. Um, I'll let you know. Okay. Yeah. Good. All right.
4: But yeah, everything else is a okay. You know, chilling.
0: Yeah. So, uh, as like I said, it's opening day for baseball when we're recording this, and the Braves are currently playing the Phillies, and it is two two currently.
4: Yeah, I think the Red Sox got postponed, right? In the first game, get postponed.
0: I, I don't know. I, think I, um, they I
4: am. a You know me. I mean, I'm a Red
0: Sox fan. as yeah, well. Yeah, I think they got postponed. Um, like, yeah, but I'll be honest. Uh, since they won the World Series a few years back, I haven't. I mean, they really like bombed the year after. Uh, and uh, I just I haven't really paid much attention because the Braves have been playing pretty good baseball.
4: Yeah, I was really for last year. I, ever, I wanted so. them to, to go all the way last year, but they disappointed me yet again.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully this will be the year.
4: Yeah, we'll see. It's a lot of games to still play, right? That's right. A lot of, a whole season. All right. Well, what do we got? We got the dirt race on Sunday. What'd you think? Well, it was Monday. Uh, on Monday, my bad. I, <laughs> I like, I honestly enjoyed it. It was um, great. It was. It was a really good race. Kudos to NASCAR. For, and, and Bristol Motorspeed. And Bristol for coming out with a product that's been around for decades that you changed it up. It's kinda like when Major well not when Major League. It's kinda like when the NHL went outside and played outside. It was it was the same kind of concept. It was it was you took a game that's been around for a long time, but you, you made it fresh. Mm-hmm. and I've, I I think it was a huge success I'm just disappointed that we didn't get to see the heat races for qualifying I think it would have made the show a little bit you know obviously that part of it would have been a little bit more exciting to watch to see how that got mm-hmm. took place but the race yeah. in, in itself was was really good I love the dirt I love the, the dust I love everything about it it was great to watch yeah um,
0: well i am a little disappointed in myself you are why all right so on the on the our latest episode last week of the podcast yeah you know we were we were talking up the dirt drivers right yes and They're and i even said i even said i would not be surprised if a a driver in nascar who doesn't have dirt experience ends up possibly winning the race. I said any of these drivers can win the race. Doesn't have to they don't have to have dirt experience. And one driver that was on my mind constantly was Joey Logano. Yep. And I never said his name. But when I was when I was when I said you go back and listen. When I said that I would not be surprised if a if a regular driver, not someone with dirt experience, wins this race, I would not be surprised. The driver I was actually Thinking about saying it was Joey Logano, and the reason why I say Joey Logano and thought Joey Logano is he just he is the type of race car driver that can adapt to change quicker than anybody. And and you look at Penske and what they've been able to do at, at inaugural races with Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski. Yep, I just I was not surprised one bit at all.
4: I wasn't either. It was uh, it was good to see him pull it off there. I, I, I thought I thought Daniel Suarez had it. He looked really good in that track house. It was really good to see that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Mike can I tell about? Can I mention the gripe I have about NASCAR again? Go ahead. Why not? Why? again? The, the, the cautions are so inconsistent mm-hmm. with the Bubba Wallace not getting a caution been thrown out when... That's what,
0: like two weeks in a row, right? Yeah,
4: I mean, like, what is the deal with with certain drivers can barely touch the wall? When Hamlin barely, you know, when his, she had his issues, they threw the caution for him. When Bubba literally, you know, spun out in no caution, oh, Bubba... You know, this is like, this is like so...
0: Stupid to say because i'm not trying to be one of those guys or one that like really feeds into the whole conspiracy shit but a thought did cross my mind and people that are listening to this are probably like oh come on Buck. <laughs> and and I, I i'm even saying it to myself like oh come on because i don't even believe this okay but it did cross my mind that a lot of people Say that, well, you know, Bubba Wallace says NASCAR's golden boy. They're gonna do everything they can to promote Bubba Wallace, and Bubba Wallace this, Bubba Wallace that. Because you know, there's some haters out there, Peter. I know, and and pe- people are thinking that, well, you know, NASCAR is gonna coddle Bubba Wallace because they want they want Bubba Wallace to be the face of change and all yada yada whatever, and and maybe maybe this is the thought that maybe if NASCAR doesn't show any 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 partiality towards Bubba then maybe it won't be that big of a deal but I think that's bullshit. But the fact that he doesn't get a caution two weeks in a row, for instance, he's involved in, uh, kind of makes you wonder. It does. In a sense.
4: And it that, took... It well, took, it NASCAR trying to cover their ass, it took basically, top, to keep the hate. Yeah, it took a top five car, and it, it made him, again, in the 20s, again. It, it's just... it's it To me... And I'm... You know, that's my wife's driver, so it's not my driver, but it's... it's it, we pull for it. Yeah, it's just disappointing that the inconsistency is not there i mean i am sorry anytime any incident happens on the track you throw that caution because cautions make the racing more exciting i hate to be that guy i was one of those guys that loved that caution clock idea that truck series tried i love it the more cautions for me the better
7: that's just me well
4: obviously the caution clock didn't work because it it just didn't work because it, it just didn't they didn't work out the bumps but i think it was a great idea I think it was a great idea, but they're never going to go back to it because
8: people hate it on it.
0: Another thing that really sucks is yet again, Bubba Wallace has a strong run, a strong car. And yet when it comes to the following race, he's going to have to start deep into the field. And, and the same thing with, with Chase Briscoe can't catch a damn break.
4: Yep. All
0: right. Well, coming up on today's show of, the bucky bird show we're going to hear from steve o'donnell next uh because we've got a couple minutes of him talking about last weekend's race at bristol dirt we're also going to hear from travis uh excuse me justin marks of track racing i was thinking travis Mack, the crew chief at Trackhouse, house we're gonna to listen to justin marks uh, and we also have audio from joey lagano paul wolf and travis guys are off of bensky that and much much more on the bucky birch show we're going to be back and when we come back we're going to listen to steve o'donnell
7: have you ever
6: wanted to get your hands on some real race used memorabilia then the racing warehouse is the place for you the racing warehouse works with professional teams like hendrick motorsports richard Childress racing and others They get their race-used items like bumpers, quarter panels, nameplates, fire suits, and more, and list them on their website for you to buy. They also have social media pages that feature live auctions, broadcasts, and special deals. With 10-plus years in the business, be sure to use the Racing Warehouse to get your piece of racing history today.
0: All right, welcome back to the Bucky Birch Show, uh, Racing Warehouse, uh, where you definitely want to go to. All right, we got to start this over again. <laughs> two thirty, okay, <laughs> two
9: thirty. Okay, <laughs> I can't. oh my god, uh, God, I fucked that one up. <laughs>
0: i'm just not even gonna say anything about it okay. all right we're gonna go three get you laughing out of the way
9: let's
0: go like this spin around stop double take three
6: times
2: The Bucky Bird Show. A few days uh, here at Bristol, I think uh, the industry had everything thrown at it. You know, when you think of the challenge of coming into this weekend just to race on dirt, uh, how much went into that. Uh, But then you add on the fact that we experienced uh, flooding, hail, uh, a day race with unbelievable sunshine, more laps with a truck in a cup race than you'd ever put on a, on a racetrack normally uh, if you were conducting a dirt event. So all in all, really proud of the industry uh, for setting this up, for getting the racing in, for the race fans, um, knowing it was a challenge for our fans to stick around on Monday, an incredible crowd turned out uh, here today and we're, we're really proud of that. I've certainly learned a, a number of things during the race and throughout the week that we can apply. Uh, as we go forward in 2022, but uh, you know, all in all, I'd give it a, a, a thumbs up with with some things to learn. Um, the fans had asked us for years uh, to look at innovation around the schedule. In fact, we've been we've been taking a task uh, for not making some moves, and and we were bold and aggressive this year. And I'm proud of the team for doing that, and proud of the industry for taking a chance here. And Marcus Smith and his team and what Steve Swift did uh, for putting this track together was, was incredible, the amount of hours he put together. So really happy for the work he did as well.
8: Yeah, definitely an exciting two races here today at Bristol. We are going to go ahead and open up to questions. Uh, just a reminder, if you have a question, go ahead and raise your hand in the Zoom platform, or you can send us a chat. We'll be sure to monitor both and try to get to as many as we can. We're going to go ahead and kick it off with Bob Pachris. Go ahead, Bob.
10: Steve why the move to single file restarts there and then was there any consideration of doing a double file restart once you got the track back back wet?
2: Yeah great question Bob and if, if you look at dirt racing in general and I know some of our fans and and candidly the NASCAR industry isn't used to seeing what happened during the race with the dust buildup, but it's it's a very common practice if you experience that situation to try and go single file to alleviate some of the dust and some of the visibility issues so that's why we made that move um, we felt that once we made that move, we were going to stay with it for the duration of the race. Our
8: next question will come from Dustin Long. Go ahead when you're
2: ready. Thank you. Steve,
3: a couple questions. Uh, Bristol announced during the race that uh, this event will return in 2022 as a dirt event. Um, was that always the plan? This was not going to be a one-year event, or, or why the addition? And I'm guessing that since it's a spring weekend, it would still just entail the trucks, or are you looking at putting Xfinity on it next year?
2: Yeah, too early to tell what we would do next year in terms of what that weekend could look like, uh, Dustin. But you know, we never go into something thinking this will just be a one-off. You know, Our hope was that uh, this would be a success and something that we could repeat and, and become really a staple of the schedule going forward. So. Certainly a number of things we learned uh, throughout the weekend that'll apply uh, to next to 2022's event weekend. Some of those things, you know, how much you race in a single day, are there other racing series that could be part of this in terms of the late models as well? So, you know, we fully intend to, to be back 22 and, and beyond and, and continue to apply those learnings and, and put on some great races.
3: What else kind of stood out? You mentioned just a few things that, that you learned. What else did you kind of learn from this experience?
2: You know, I think no matter how much you put in uh, from an industry to think about the what ifs, there's always going to be some variables thrown at you, be it weather or, you know, good year and, and applaud Goodyear for bringing a tire uh, that the drivers have always asked that we want a tire that wears. And in this case, uh, we based that on what the trucks had done in Eldora. You. Um, you saw the trucks were able to run, you know, upwards of 100 laps. Not the case for Cup. Uh, so we made some adjustments uh, to the format of the race which I think everybody um, did a really good job with in terms of the industry, um, looking at those adjustments and making it happen. And, and that's another learning for us is how do we work you know, even closer with Goodyear now that we've been on this track surface? What can we learn and what can we continue to apply from a sire from a, a standpoint? Thank you. Our
8: next question will come from Davey Siegel. Go ahead, Davey.
11: Yeah, Steve, um, towards the end of the race, Bubba Wallace had a spin uh, that was not called a caution and the 66 at the end was, can you just take me through the decision making process in terms of why to not throw the yellow for the 23?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, throughout the race, there were a number of times where a driver was able to, to roll off. And if they continued on, we were going to continue the race. So, you know, every call is different, it's balls and strikes. Um, but from our perspective, if someone's able to drive off, uh, we're going to continue to, to, to race. Um, and if someone stops and we think they intentionally cause the caution, we'll, we'll make that call as well. Thank you.
8: All right. And that is all the time we have here today for questions for Steve. We have our drivers joining us now, Steve, thank you so much for your time.
2: Thanks. And uh, thanks to the drivers for putting up with us and uh, going out there and racing. Appreciate
0: it. Bert show that was Steve O'Donnell that you got to hear from. And so NASCAR goes back to dirt after 50, 51 years of, of not racing on dirt in the cup series. Uh, Richard Petty was the last winner. And now Joey Logano etches his name in the history books. And we were saying before we went to break that I was not surprised. Joey Logano picked up the win. You weren't really surprised either, just based on his pure talent.
4: No, I wasn't.
0: Uh, Yeah. and, And a lot of talk has been going on this week. Uh, since that race on Monday that, you know, well, NASCAR and Bristol motor speedway now, so we're going to be back there next year. And obviously NASCAR is going to work on, on making it better next time. They've got to work on some things, right? But a lot of, there's been a lot of circulation, uh, you know, on Twitter and Facebook where obviously the fans want more dirt racing. And, and a lot of this talk on Sirius XM uh, NASCAR uh, radio was, should NASCAR add another dirt race to the schedule and, and possibly should it be in the playoffs uh, where we crown a champion? I personally love the fact that, that we have one at Bristol where it's a standalone. Yeah. But, but a part of me feels like I can see two dirt races in the year and I'm fine with that. Just two. We don't need any more than that, but just two. And, And you got to think, you know, where would it be? I know because where. NASCAR is not gonna go to just some dirt track uh because you know, a, a, an actual dirt track because they can't hold thirty, forty thousand fans, you know. So so what's your thing What's your thing? Do you do you wanna just stick with the one at Bristol no. and be done with it?
4: No, I, I'm gonna go with another concrete track that could use it, Dover. But uh, <laughs> it needs it it needs it Bucky I just I, that's th- that
0: might be a little too much that's a whole mile
4: I know let's do it mm. <laughs> let's do it <laughs> I'm telling you let's do it Dover
0: any other track but Dover
4: uh, another short track I know you'd probably
0: like to see Richmond do it
4: Richmond I like it Bucky Richmond there you go <laughs> There you go. I'm sold. No convincing. You sold. I you sold it to me. I it, it How much? <laughs> you know, I uh,
0: on the Dale Junior download. Uh, uh, Marcus Smith from SMI, uh, Bruton Smith's son, uh, right? Said that he has plans for North Wilkesboro.
4: I saw that, and,
0: and that's all he's gonna say. I have a feeling what, what they should do. I think what, what SMI should do with North Wilkesboro is spend the money to update the racetrack, get it to code. And what I mean is, 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 is put in new stands, put in new bathrooms, make it a state of the art facility. And instead of it being North Wilkesboro, the asphalt racetrack, Make dirt it into track. North Wilkesboro an actual true dirt track and let yep. it be dirt all year long. And, and, and I think that that is the rejuvenation that that track needs. Uh, there's, just spend the money to update it because obviously the fans
4: want it. And I really do believe this time around the fans will show up. And I think too, Bucky, I think price-wise, you're not spending a lot of money on asphalt. You just tear up the asphalt and just use dirt. I mean, to me, wouldn't it be more practical? I don't know. Well, you got to put dirt. I mean, you have to bring in some clay and stuff in there. I know, but <laughs> it's more, a lot more expensive than millions of dollars of new asphalt, don't you think?
0: Yeah, I think the majority of the money spent at, at putting that racetrack up to code is the exterior. Make it, make it available for people to park make it to where no one's going to catch a disease if they cut themselves. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, uh, put a media center there, put a, put, put suites up there, put, put some grandstands that can hold, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, a hundred thousand people.
4: Yep. I agree. I mean,
0: SMI has the money. Do it.
4: Let's do it. Uh, Bucky. That is a great idea. And uh, I like where you're thinking.
0: Uh, yeah, thank you very much.
4: I do. I think you did. A, you nailed it there. It's a great idea.
0: Well, we'll see. I just have a feeling that that might be the direction that they go in, um, and I don't think anybody would be opposed. I think Dale Jr. would be on board with it
4: being a dirt track. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it's a great idea. Boom! That's a lock. It's a lock. North Wilkesboro, and it's a and it's a dirt track.
0: Yeah. So, uh, some NASCAR news. Uh, NASCAR tested uh, rain tires at Martinsville today. I saw a video NASCAR put on Twitter where they took a water truck out there and wet the track. and then I also saw a video of Chris Busher booking it around there
4: so um are, are do we know the parameters of what that rain tire would be used and like a downpour or a light sprinkle? Do we know what they would do a wet for? track a wet track a wet track.
0: The the here's okay. the thing I don't see NASCAR going in that direction. I see, they're they're just testing it. Okay, this is not an April right. Fool's joke. They're just testing this out. And and here's what I see. I don't see, here, here NASCAR is giving themselves an opportunity to have another plan. And and what I think is what I think this the only way they would even consider this. Is obviously for the short tracks, uh, the flat tracks. Correct. Is if we have a rain delay, I think you speed up the process of getting the track dry by saying, okay, the track is just wet. Let's put some rain tires on. Let's go racing. But I don't see it happening because I think the last time they tested this was, you know, and, uh, like 25 years ago.
4: Or and I see you thinking, I see what you're thinking there. And then throw a competition caution to allow them to change the rain tires back to the slicks.
0: Oh, they love rain. They love competition, cautions, don't they? Right,
4: I love them too.
0: Oh yeah, of course.
9: (laughs) Uh, NASCAR
0: NASCAR has reinstated Mike Wallace and Josh Room. I saw. Um, uh, So uh, they were uh, uh, they got into into trouble with NASCAR by social media post. Yep. Um, I think the Mike Wallace uh, post was was it uh, I think it was a picture he posted that had to do with the I'm not even going to say cuz I don't even I can't remember it's been so long ago. So let's move on. They they're reinstated. Uh will we will we see them back at the racetrack to be seen? We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So uh so anyway, what's uh what's on Oh, power rankings, Peter. All right, real
4: quick, yeah, power rankings. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we can't not do our uh fantasy uh for Uh, for Martinsville, since that is, uh, you know, we still got a week and a half to go, uh, by the way, um, you know, no NASCAR race this weekend because of Easter. So our next race will be in the cup series will be Saturday, April 10th. And that is a night race at at Martinsville. Yes. Are you going to be home to watch that race?
4: Uh, what day is Saturday? No, I will not. I will definitely watch it. When I get home, I will watch it when I get home from work. Like I always do until and right. I'm definitely off for Talladega though. I know that for sure. Okay. So.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to pull up the fantasy real quick and go over. No, wait,
4: uh, no, no, save it till next week.
0: Well, you don't want me to go over the results? Yeah.
4: Save it. Cause we'll do our picks and do all the fantasy in the next show. That's what I would do. All right. Well, we'll save it. Yeah. You know, save we'll it. Save
0: it till next week. All right. So let's go into our power rankings. Uh, you gave the power rankings last uh, first last week. Okay. Um, and I think I will go first this week. Okay. All right. So, number 10, I have Kevin Harvick again. Kevin Harvick is my number 10 in power rankings. Okay. Number 9, I have Kyle Busch. Okay. Uh, number 9 last week was Alex Bowman. He drops out this week. And Kyle Busch moves from number 6 to number 9. Okay. All right, Keslowski is eighth. He's going to stay eighth. Okay. I have Chase Elliott number number seven. Okay. He was out. He was outside looking in, and now he is at number seven. Okay. All right. And then in number six, I have in the sixth place, I have Kyle Larson. Uh, now remember, uh, I had Kyle Larson number one last week. He drops all the way to number six.
4: He dropped.
0: Yeah, big drop.
4: Okay. All right, number five, five? Martin
0: Truex Jr. He drops one this week to number five. He was number four last week. Uh, And actually, number four and number five swap. So last week I had William Byron number five. This week William Byron is number four. Yeah, Ryan Blaney is still number three. I still have Denny Hamlin number two. And I have Joey Logano jumping from number seven all the way to number one, and and the reason why I still don't have Hamlin as the number one driver in my power rankings is Hamlin is very consistent. Um,
4: he hasn't done. Uh, yeah, he doesn't he have a really win. We look at we look fire. at
0: uh, out of the top ten in the power rankings. There's one, two, three, four, five. There's five drivers out of the ten. That have already won a race, and Hamlin is first of the other five that have not, and I have him at number two. He is the points leader, correct? But Logano just impressed me, and Logano, I think Team Penske and Hendrick Motorsports they are the team to beat. Denny Hamlin's the driver at Joe Gibbs. I just I got Logano at number one uh, simply for the fact that he won the race, and and won at a track that nobody expected him to win. Wow.
4: All right, what's are you in here? Like
0: give me number 10.
4: All right, 10 is 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 okay. uh Chase Elliott. Top 10. Uh okay. Ninth is Brad. Uh All right. we got 8th Kevin Harvick. Okay. We got 7th Kyle Busch. Uh William Byron goes okay. up to 6th. He was 8th last week for me. Uh, Blaney is okay. at, it still stays top five. Uh, Truex okay. stays still at four. Larson drops okay. to third. Hamlin stays at second. And Joey Logano right. is at the top.
0: Yeah. yeah, Those Pretty are close our power we rankings have. after the Bristol Dirt Race. All right. I think what we're going to do now, Peter, is we are going to play uh, – the interviews that we have of joey logano paul wolf travis geisler and also track house owner justin marks uh so we're gonna say goodbye uh to all of you and happy easter and hope you enjoy these interviews that we're gonna play for yes. you and we'll catch you next week on the podcast
12: later, later later later
5: thank you so much for joining us today
12: yeah thank you
5: um before we get started with questions, um, why don't you just give us maybe a little recap of of yesterday and kind of I don't know if you were at the race or not, but you know just what it was like to uh, watch your team uh, perform at the level that they did.
12: Yeah, I mean it was great. I was not there uh, unfortunately. I had a conflict. I couldn't move for Monday, so that was a bit of a heartbreaker. But I was uh, I was hanging on to every every lap on my phone and on the TV, um, communicating with the guys uh, during the race. So. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a great day for our team. It really was. I mean, we we have you know we believe that we're capable of doing great things in this sport, and it comes down to, to just trying to prepare as best we can week in and week out, making sure that we we all rally behind Daniel and give him a piece of equipment capable of of um, you know capable of expo- you know basically exposing his talent and his ability to the best possible level. So I think we did that yesterday. I mean, I, you know, I think nobody really knew what to expect going into this race. Uh, but, um, I know that we kind of relished in the fact that we could, you know, sort of leave our computers in, in the truck and kind of go racing old school and, and, you know, look at tires and communicate with Daniel and just kind of look at the racetrack track and, and make changes on the fly. And I think the guys really relished that and leaned into that and, and enjoyed that. Um, but it was really, really, really nice to watch. It was just nice. Uh, you know nice momentum for the guys and a lot of confidence big confidence builder for the guys and um yeah it was just it was a special day
5: all right and we'll now take uh, questions for justin if you have one please raise your hand and we'll also um monitor the chat or you can um ask us within the zoom platform and for our first question today we will take who wants to kick us off today all right here we go alex andrea go ahead with your question
9: Hey Justin, I am. I, I'm kind of wondering how you evaluate the start of the season so far. If it's what you expected, you know, if you're doing better, or worse, or about what you expected right now with Trackhouse. Uh,
12: that's a good question. Um, I mean, I I think in some ways uh, we are surpassing expectations, and I think in some ways we're meeting expectations, and I think we've got some things to work on. I mean, you know, I've i I did not set out you know communicating with the guys and setting uh, goals for this team based on finishing positions this early in the life of the company i think it's unrealistic not really knowing how we stack up how our cars are going to be just this early in the communication structure between daniel and travis our crew chief and everybody first time the pit crews together i think it's kind of unrealistic to say i you know i expect top 20 here top 15 here you know at this point it's my expectations more on like you know, let's, let's, we're building this team week in and week out. So let's understand what Daniel wants in a race car. Let's work on our execution on the race weekend. You know, let's let the pit crew get reps together and start understanding each other's movements to where they can start anticipating those movements and then start, you know, shaving tens of seconds off and things like that. Um, so, you know, I, I, I mean, but to answer your question, I didn't think this early in the year, we would have a, a day like we had yesterday. And it's not just yesterday. I mean, we, we had a day like this going in Atlanta. Um, I think we were on our way to a fifth or sixth place finish last week in Atlanta before we got a speeding penalty at the end of the race. So, I mean, it's, it's a little surreal to see us passing some of the cars that we're passing out running some of the, the cars that we're out running, but we're also trying to stay realistic and we can go to Martinsville and, and really struggle. I don't know. We haven't really started building our short track program yet. So um I am just really proud of the work that everybody's put in and just how aligned everybody is and how, how much everyone motivates each other. And, you know, ultimately that's the currency of success right now for track house, just because it's so early in the life of the company. Um, but you know, we have to be prepared for days like we had at Las Vegas, where we, you know, we finished 26 and it was kind of all we could get out of the day. Um, we just have to make sure that we learn no matter what, where we finish that, that we learn and we take something positive away from it. Um, but so far, I'm I'm very very happy with everybody's work ethic and attitude and passion and devotion to this project, um, and it's just really nice to see to see uh, some some you know sort of proof of concept when we go and have days like we did at Bristol.
9: And then um, Daniel mentioned yesterday the engine collaboration with RCRs potentially being a factor as, as kind of why you guys showed so much speed. And I, I'm curious just what that relationship looks like, and um, if you also see that as as a factor, yeah, I think it's not just
12: ECR. I think it's it's holistically our, our relationship with with the RCR uh, group up there. I mean, you know, as a new team coming in, it's too it's too tall of a task to try to do everything yourself when when there's just there's so many great support systems in place in the industry, um, and so I think you know coming in and having you know what we call a technical alliance with an existing team is something that new teams have to do. I mean, you see it with 2311 with Gibbs Racing and, and some of the others that have come in. And it allows us to you know be able to um, immediately have a seat at the table when it comes to knowledge and data and access to engineering systems and things like that, that just would be too much for me to invest in all you know, exclusively on our own from day one. So RCR and ECR is playing a huge role in it because, because it's allowing us the ability to bring very competitive equipment to the racetrack right away, to where all we really need to focus on is operating as a team. So, you know, we've, we've got a great engine relationship with ECR and we've got the same engines in our cars that the three and the eight have. Um, and we're, we have access to the same engineering systems and simulation and research and development and aerodynamics and everything that, that the three and the eight have. And, and it just allows us to build our team around that existing knowledge and expertise. And uh, it's a huge piece of the puzzle for sure.
5: Okay. Our next question will come from Jenna Fryer. Go ahead, Jenna.
9: Hey, Justin. Um, Obviously yesterday was a good finish for you. Um, I'm wondering though, what did you think overall about the Bristol dirt race?
12: Well, you know, there were, well, I think that NASCAR had a lot of, a lot, I think NASCAR took a risk and I think that they know that they took a risk. and, And I think that You know, it was a difficult weekend for them because there were variables at play that made um, that risk even more difficult to navigate with the weather. Um, It was, I think, in communicating with NASCAR leading up to this event and and feeling like I understand what their expectations were, um, they knew that it was going to be a challenging weekend and uh, they were prepared to deploy all of the resources possible to try to meet that challenge. Um, can't do anything about the weather. You can't do anything about the fact that these cars have windshields. There were a lot of unknowns. And I think given all those unknowns, I think that they did a great job navigating it. I think that there's no way that they were gonna come into Bristol for this dirt race and walk away going like, that was perfect, perfect execution. That was perfect. I think they come into this going, we're gonna try something we haven't tried in 50 years. And I applaud them for that. And and, uh, Steve O'Donnell sent an email out this morning you know, to everybody that saying that they've already started sort of taking a forensic audit of the weekend and started having discussions about how to make the show better for next year. And, and I think it's, and I think the racing was compelling. I mean, the 22 and the 11 had an awesome race at the end. There was a lot of passing. Um, there was a lot of action and excitement. So I think when you take all that into account, I mean, it was a very compelling weekend. There's a lot of races on the schedule that are not that exciting from start to finish.
9: You know, you, you're getting into um track events this year with, with the Nashville Street Race. Um, how big of a challenge is it as, as promoters to take on something new and, and to step out of the box and try something totally different?
12: Well, I mean, everybody has to measure their appetite for risk. And, um, you know, when you look at something like the, 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 the Grand Prix in Nashville, you know, you, you have to really, you have to really focus on the metrics that you believe are gonna tell you it's gonna be a successful event. And in that one in particular, you know, Nashville is an event city. Uh, there's a lot of companies locally that rally behind big events in the city. Um, you know, the, the, the Titans are a big part of, of, you know, making that event successful. There's a lot of buzz in the IndyCar paddock uh, and in the garage area in the industry about the event. So you look at that stuff and you, you manage your risk off of that. You know, COVID's challenging. But, I, you know, we're, I think we're living in a world where if you're going to have a successful event property, you're going to have to take some risk. You, you can't, you can't do things the way you've always done them anymore and expect it to work out because people are, um, they're more fickle than they've ever been. Um, they have shorter attention spans. They've got an appetite for new things like they never have before. And I think if you're, you know, if motorsport is going to continue to be relevant and grow in popularity you just that that appetite for risk is going to have to um increase and i think you're seeing that with you know coda and the dirt race at bristol and going back to nashville on the speedway and you know things like that you got to just you got to try things there's just so much competition for our attention out there that nascar motorsports in general is going to have to step out of the box and try some things and be okay with some of it not working out
9: thank you very much thank you
5: Okay, our next question will come from Matt Weaver. Go ahead, Matt.
7: Hey. What's up, Justin? How's it going? Hey, man. Kind of on a similar question to Jenna. Um, one thing that we couldn't see this year with Bristol and the experiment was kind of the, the sponsorship activation part of it. And I'm curious, going back next year, do you think that that's going to be kind of a challenge because sponsors typically don't think of NASCAR as being dusty and dirty and having people back in the garage area what do you think that part of the evaluation of will be like because we didn't see what that could look like this year
12: yeah that's a really good question I mean I think the fact that it was maybe a little blessing in disguise that this dirt race was, you know, under the COVID uh, restrictions and that, you know, the storm came through when there wasn't, you know, big fan zones and hospitality and activation centers outside Um, just for NASCAR to see what the environment inside that stadium is like. um, You know, I think, I think for, it's a really good question, Matt. I think for, or I think for um, the suites it's, you know, I guess I'll say this, I think probably the, the biggest thing to take away from it is whether or not they can figure out a way to run this race at night, because I think the general consensus is going to be that for a successful dirt race to happen, the sun can't really be on the racetrack for, for, the, for the race, um, just to try to keep some of that dust down a little bit. Um, I don't know if I have a great question for you on that, answer for you on that. I mean, you know, I, 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 I certainly know that NASCAR is, is going to take all that into account, uh, if I were to fast forward 12 months and had a sponsor saying, Hey, we want to do a, you know, 75 person or hundred person activation at, at Bristol, I would, uh, I would probably try to make the group smaller and put them in a suite or, you know, build some activation outside of the stadium and have them have some tickets or set it up in a way where they can come and go just, just cause I don't know how it would go. Um, but it's a good question. I mean, when you look at some of those helicopter shots, I mean, that dirt just hangs in the air. I haven't talked to anybody yet that sat in the grandstands, um, but I don't know if I if I if I had a company that came to me and said, "Hey, we've got one event a year that we can we can go spend fifty thousand dollars and entertain a hundred people," I don't think I would suggest Bristol first.
7: Yeah. yeah, and then kind of on the complete other end of the spectrum. Now we're starting to kind of kick the tires a little bit on street course racing. And I know that's something you've advocated for in the past, and I think that's actually a, an ideal way to activate, but even beyond that, do you still feel just as passionate about a street course race for NASCAR as you did a couple of years ago?
12: 100%. Yeah, I... Um you know sort of kind of like what I was saying with Jenna like you, you you have to I mean I believe that that for us to grow this sport we have to do the best job we can in taking our product to the people and I'll tell this story but when this question is asked I always tell this story I, I ran in a support division at the Long Beach Grand Prix in 2012 our checkered flag was about an hour before the IndyCar race Long Beach Grand Prix started and I got out of my race car and I stood on the pit wall with my teammate and I looked around and there was a hundred thousand people there. And I said to my teammate, do you know why this event works so well? It's because there's a hundred thousand people here and about 95,000 of them aren't race fans. They're here because this is a cultural event. This is a, a city event and, and it's just, it's something to do. And people like to get out of their houses and do something, but not a lot of people want to go drive 150 miles, 200 miles, risk missing work on Monday, you know, pay these hotel, you know, kind of, so, so I'm a big believer in the street event because if we, if, if there are markets that are important to, you know, to try to take the NASCAR product to and attract people, a street course is the best way to do that. I mean, at our IndyCar race at Nashville, we're going to have a hundred thousand people there. And most of them are going to only come from 10 or 15 miles away, probably. I mean, and they're going to be partying all weekend, be able to walk, to see the racetrack and then go back to Broadway and go to their hotel room, you know I mean? That, all that kind of stuff. So. I think street events are just really, really special because they have a tendency to attract a lot of people, um, but they're expensive and you have to have the support of the city. They're logistically difficult to put on. They're very hard to do for, you know, like a one and done deal. So I think that if we see that in NASCAR, you know, it, I, think, I think they're going to have to make sure that they are in a city where they've got multiple year commitments, where they've got some tax or some budget subsidization, um, but I'm a big believer in it, 100%. And I think it'd be a great, I think the optics of that would be great. I think it'd be a really cool race to watch. And I think the new car um, is going to be a great car for a street course application.
7: Thanks, Justin.
5: Okay. Our next question will come from Bob Pachris. Go ahead, Bob.
10: Yeah, Justin, uh, have you made any progress as far as getting a charter for Mm -hmm. next year? And is it something that you sweat now? Or is it something that, you know, you pretty much start concerning yourself closer to the summer?
12: I'll, I'll be honest with you, Bob. I, I, I'm, I'm, I lose a little bit of sleep every single night because we don't own a charter. That's, that is a, that is the biggest, that is the biggest element of exposure for this company in this sport. Um, and I am, I am working every day in the direction of trying to secure our future, um, by orchestrating ownership and acquisition of a charter. Um, it is not getting easier. It is getting harder. Um, and I, I just, There are multiple avenues that we're exploring right now, Um, not you know that go beyond just just charter application. Maybe a larger scale transaction um, where a charter is part of the transaction, Um, but we're just we're looking at everything from the top of the grid to the bottom of the grid and 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 both flanks.
10: And has there been anything about the pit bull relationship or activation that uh, that has surprised you or that you felt like wow that? that that really that you felt has had a big impact over the first couple of months?
12: Well, we're working on a lot of projects behind the scenes right now uh, with Armando, uh, you know, on the STEM and philanthropic side. And I think we're probably four to six weeks away from announcing, you know, kind of what that looks like. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, I was hopeful in this process that he was going, that he's gonna be an active part of this and get out in front of it work hard to promote it and find ways to grow this company. And he has done that a hundred like in spades. And um, so that's been, that's been very nice. We are doing a lot of work, going to Miami next week. We're doing a lot of work behind the scenes that I'm really excited to roll stuff out for. Um, I think when you have partners, when you've got partners that are celebrities, not just race teams, but product endorsements or you know anything like this, um, You have to have somebody, it cannot be transactional. You have to have somebody that is truly motivated to see the enterprise succeed. Um, And it it has to be authentic. And it has been that way with Armando the whole time. And so that I'm really, I was hoping, I I thought that's the way it was gonna go. I don't wanna say that I'm surprised it's gone that way. I am, I am surprised in, in just how communicative he is, how much he pays attention and how much he supports us. Um, it's been a really fun element to this.
5: Okay, our next question will come from Dustin Long. Go ahead, Dustin.
3: Thank you, uh, Justin, a little bit different topic. I'm just curious from a business standpoint is how much have you looked into NFTs as something that can be a potential revenue stream for, for a team. Obviously, there's a lot of things that are going on with that. Obviously, it's a, a relatively new area, but uh, certainly seeing some big things with NBA Top Shop, uh, Patrick Mahomes recently, Gronkowski, some other things. I'm just wondering if that's something that, uh, uh, is something that you're looking at or kind of considering or, or kind of taking a, a, a look, look at.
12: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still I'm still in the phase of trying to really grasp really grasp it. I think a lot of people are still trying to understand really what it is and where its place falls in an economy, um, and sort of what the economic value of something like that is. I mean, I I we have not I have not done I have not done anything as it relates to track house or really as it relates maybe to motorsports as a whole yet. It's just so new. I am kind of watching it and paying attention. Uh, it, it, looks, it looks very speculative. And I think for something to have some economic value, um, everybody has to have a grasp on, on exactly what it is and define its value in the same way. And I think NFT is still, that's still being determined around NFT. That's really all I got
3: on that. And that's fine. That's fine. I didn't know how much you'd looked into that at this point. Um, hey, I'm curious, you know, talking about the Bristol event, there's, there was some questions yesterday just about the idea uh obviously the next gen car next year but would it make sense to keep a couple of these older cars and use these older cars to run for the bristol dirt race next year what kind of a especially since uh it'll be the race will be in the spring the early part of the year what kind of a challenge would that be or is that something that if, from a team owner's perspective you'd be fine hey let's let's keep a couple cars and run those cars instead of the next gen uh at the, the dirt race next year
12: yeah, I, I know that that discussion is already starting to take place among ownership in the sport right now, um, it, probably even before the race, that that, that question was raised. Um, this new car is a very sophisticated piece of equipment, and this racetrack is very hard on these cars. I mean, we 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 were welding between practice and the race because of how rough this, this track was on our cars, and that was a, definitely a topic of conversation within the team. Um, I have to... I, I mean, I believe that for, for team ownership, the best thing is to probably have dirt cars is to probably have cars that are, that are, that are specifically for this dirt track. If that means we take this car back next year, I'm, I'm completely fine with that. I mean, you know, I, I was talking to Travis, our crew chief about that. And, and, you know, it's sort of like what I know about this next gen car and how I've seen it up close and gotten underneath it. I mean, I feel like, I feel like, Taking, I mean, I feel like I'd be mud bogging with an indie car if we took this took this next gen car to the dirt track next year so um, so I am you know I'm a, I am a, a supporter of us keeping these current gen cars to run on the dirt. Um, I think that probably would be the best thing. I think as far as optics go for the fans and for the sport, um, the cars they need to look they need to look really close like the next gen cars. I think we can't show up at Bristol and, and have the, the, the field just look totally different. But that's, that's an easy thing to do. So, so yeah, I mean, in short, I would be a fan of keeping these cars as dirt cars just because it's so far a departure from what we typically do.
3: And one other thing in, in regards to that, um, if you're going to do that, that, go that direction, let's say, would it make sense then? Would the ownerships pr- pr- prefer to have two events that would be dirt races so that there's more use of the car? Or it's simple enough is that they can sit around there all year, get beat up for the one weekend, and that's it would, would you know sometimes we hear about hey it's better to have multiple events we can have these cars sitting around as opposed to one
12: it's not a very it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a very expensive event if, if we kept these cars it'd be relatively easy I mean like I said we just we, you know it's, it's we don't bring our pit crews we're not really running a lot of sim and, and we're not spending a ton of time you know finessing the bodies we're, we're not putting all that work in and spending all that money for this race so if it was a one-off know i it's not like we we have this big investment in our dirt program where it just it would be cost prohibitive to run one race i would be a fan of more than one race just if the product is good in general it has nothing to do with the car um so i mean I, i think if they can figure out a way to make you know if these dirt if this dirt race ends up being one of the best races on the schedule like why not you know why not try to expand that element of the product but I mean, if we run one race, it's fine with me because I've I've been I've been sort of looking at the numbers. I mean, now that we've actually executed a weekend, it's a pretty especially because it's only right up the road from Charlotte. It's it's a pretty simple and inexpensive weekend. So if we do it once, that's fine with me too. Thanks a lot. Yep.
5: Okay, our next question will come from Lee Spencer. Go ahead, Lee.
9: Thank you, Justin. Um, does it will it lose its novelty though if we did a second dirt race?
12: Um. I don't think so. I think if you do two, because there's still, there's still, there's so many, well, Lee, it kind of, I think it depends on where it is. I think it depends on where I it is. And if, they, if, so if, if it's in an iconic, if it's in an iconic dirt track, if we go to Williams Grove or Knoxville or Eldora or something like that, I think we can do one more and, and it won't lose its novelty. I think if we, I think if we start going five, six dirt races a year, we're just like finding places to go, or we're throwing dirt on Martinsville, or you know, or just whatever, whatever it is. Um, I think you start diluting it a little bit. Um, I think maybe two would be cool, three might be a crowd, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think uh, I think NASCAR, NASCAR is not; it's just not a dirt racing property. So if if there's one and everybody looks forward to, it, and it's an amazing place like Bristol, I think I think that's great. I don't think that there would be plans to really expand. I mean, you, you have to remember at this point, as we add more and more venues, it means we're taking things away. We're taking venues away because we're not gonna have a 44 race season. And I think that we have started removing some of those facilities that don't provide very compelling racing and replacing them with, with ones that potentially could like Coda, like Road America, like some of those I think are gonna be really great races. Um, jury's probably out on Nashville. I mean, we just, we don't really know yet, but to answer your question, um, I think, I think they could potentially do one more. I don't think that's their, in their plans. I think their plan is to just have one dirt race. Um, I think anything more than two probably is pushing it.
9: I was going to ask the question that Justin, uh, or sorry, Dustin asked about the, the cars, because I brought it up with Ricky Stenhouse and and Travis Geisler, but from an ownership standpoint and from a guy who knows dirt racing, um, what were some of the challenges that maybe you learned or have you had to debrief enough to know what changes you need to make to the car to make the car or make the product on the track a little bit better the next time we go?
12: Well, I don't think that the... Are you talking about for our performance or for for the... No, just,
9: you know, in general, because, you know, most of the dirt cars, the... The the cup cars, they've got the weight in the front. The dirt cars generally have the weight in the back. And so you're, you know, trying to move things around to make these cars, you know, the NASCAR cars, stock cars as compelling as and competitive as it can be on dirt. And so I'm just wondering if there's anything, you know, you took away from your dirt background that, you know, could help going forward.
12: Uh, I don't I think that the I think that the uh, the focus on how compelling the show is going to be is almost a hundred percent in track prep, is is in is in how they how they um, keep the track how they get the track to where they want it to be. I mean, for these for these types of cars, we don't have tear offs, we got windshields, um, you know, we we can't run on a heavy track like typically is the case early in the evening on World of Outlaws shows or things like that, where the drivers can just pull tear offs and just let the races start work working the track in it's going to be for NASCAR. It's a very unique challenge because all the focus is going to have to be on the track itself because there's really only so much we can do with these cars within the rules. We can't put, you know, dirt suspensions in them. We can't cut, you know, cut the clips up and I mean, we have to, we have to bring a stock car to the racetrack. So, um, it's all on the tracks. I've run, I've run ARCA races at Springfield and DeCoyne and, you know, it's like when we roll out for first practice and it's, it's wet and there's lots of grip and you're super sideways, it's really fun, but the race doesn't really start to get good until the last 50 laps or 40 laps when it's, you know, when it's dry and it's slicked off and it gets a little dusty because then it's just more, more like a, an asphalt track. So I would answer your question by saying, I think the teams are limited in what they can do and, and the responsibility is really on, on getting the, the surface right, which I think NASCAR learned a lot about this weekend.
9: And finally, have you had your aha moment yet as a team owner? Is there one thing that's, you know, one story you can tell us about since you put on your ownership pants, something that you're like, oh my God, why did I do this?
12: Like bad?
9: Good, bad, (laughs) and different. You know, just some, for a first time owner at CUP, you know, is there something that, some experience that you've had that has just really been an eye opener?
12: Um, I mean, I've been in this game for a long time. I mean, I haven't, I haven't owned a cup car, but I mean, I know, I, I've, I know the players, and I know how these weekends go. I know how difficult it is to compete in this series. I mean, I, for me, and for me, you know. Martin Truex is a a friend of mine and I really like Martin a lot when I was up in the in the sweet Atlanta last weekend when we passed the 19 car and drove away from him for some for some reason that was symbolic to me I mean I just I got on the radio on the other the other channel and said you know we just we just passed cup champion right there and and you know that's not to say that I think we're going to be doing it every weekend and anything like that we've got tough days ahead of us but I think when you work so hard on building doing something this difficult it, sometimes it's hard to see the forest from the trees you get so focused on the details that you have those moments where you can kind of step back back and say well, like we're in the show like we are we're doing this and we're in the show and I, for whatever reason that moment was was a moment for me just because it I'm just really proud of all the guys but it's just work I mean I think you you develop a, a vision and something you want to do and it's it's motivated by passion and then you just incessantly put the work in uh every day and you know, that and the fact that NASCAR has been NASCAR has been really good to us because I think that they recognize um, that, you know, we and 2311 and some of these other younger owners are looking uh, represent the future of this sport and and I have, I have, I have managed, I've crafted my relationship with NASCAR through this process as a partner. I've not drawn a line in the sand between them. I've not put a wall up between us. I've not joined the RTA. I have gone to the league and to the people that run the sport and say, I want to work together to find a way where we can help each other in the future of the sport and their willingness to have candid and open conversations to me, um, has been a great moment too.
9: Awesome. Appreciate your time. Have a good week off. Thanks.
12: You too.
5: Okay. Our next question
9: will come from Ashley McCubbin. Go
12: ahead,
5: Ashley. Hey, Justin, thanks for taking the time to speak to us today. You mentioned that there's going to be some tough moments this year, but you guys have had a couple highlights already. So what's the outlook and goals now seeing where you guys stand so far as we look to the rest of the season?
12: Well, it's the same, Um, you know, and like I said earlier in the call, you know, the the goals and and the expectations for the team are for us to just continue to learn each other and to get better every week Um, you know, no matter how, what kind of day we have, there's always things that we can do better. And there's always, you know, elements of the operation that have been exposed that we have to talk about on Monday and Tuesday and figure out how to navigate, you know, on the flip side of that, we had a great weekend in Atlanta and and we had a poor finish, but a very competitive day. And, And I told all the guys, you know, let's really figure out why we had such a great day. Is it the way we built this body? Is it the way we ran our strategy? Was it you know, the way Daniel drove and learn. And so I think as long as we just continue every week to learn and make sure that after weekends, like we had at Bristol, we don't let down our guard. We don't let it compromise our work ethic that, that we all, we, we maintain, uh, we keep managing our expectations. Cause like I said, we could go to Martinsville and really struggle. We don't know. Um, so really it's just, it's just to continue to work. I'm not sitting here going, I think we can make the playoffs. I think we can win Martinsville I think you know it's not my goals aren't I mean I believe that this team can win I do believe that this team can win but but that is not my metric of success in 2021 for Trackhouse.
5: and you mentioned everybody getting to know each other Daniel spoke very highly of Travis after Bristol what went into the decision to bring him into the team and how have you been impressed with how they've been working well together so far
12: I've been I've been very impressed. They complement each other very well. I mean, we're we're living in an age where the role of the crew chief is different than it's ever been. You know, it, it's the crew chief has so many um, resources behind him, uh, like engineering and simulation, and you know the the setups are built on computers now, and they're built up in the simulator, and you know, at the SMT data and, and all of this that. The, the, the role of the crew chief is less about sort of building the setups and building the race cars and more about leading a team and keeping the guys motivated and keeping things organized and making sure that he is managing the driver. Well, and one of the reasons that, that Travis was so attractive to us is because he's very, very good at that stuff. I mean, he's very smart. He can do a great setup. He can build a bit, a great car, but the role of the cup crew chief these days seems to be moving a little bit towards, you know, that of a of a leader and a cheerleader and an organizer of the effort, um, and you know Travis is he's very even keel. He believes in Daniel. He um, he works very hard to understand Daniel's personality and understand what Daniel is trying to communicate. Um, and he keeps things loose. And Daniel's always been better when he's able to laugh in the race car and be a little bit loose before he gets in. And, uh, and and Travis is really contributing to that, so it's it's been it's been great the way they've been working together, and I'm excited about the future for both of them.
5: Thanks you for your time today. Thanks. Okay, and Justin, we we did have a question that came in through the chat. Um, we have two here. I'll start with the first one. Um, have you been in contact with Pitbull yet, following the top five five run with Sorez um, yesterday? And then also, did anyone from the team or the crew? Um, have any um, dirt track experience before this weekend?
12: Um, there was some experience on dirt this weekend, um, but I, I wouldn't say there probably was any real dirt experience that that contributed to our run necessarily. Um, you know, Daniel and Travis went and tested a late model uh, up in Tennessee on Tuesday and were able to spend the whole day together. Um, Sort of working through that process together, uh, but um, but yeah, I, I you know we we um, no we came to this race very inexperienced in dirt. Uh, Armando and I texted five or six times um, during the race and after the race, and he was absolutely loving it. He says this is history in the making, underdog mentality, and it's a beautiful, priceless thing. <laughs>
5: All right, thank you, Justin. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We really appreciate it, and uh, we wish the team continued success.
12: Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone.
5: All right, and to all the media who joined us.
6: <laughs> um, you know, obviously, a, a exciting race. Um, you know, a lot of different things happening throughout it. Um, but you know, I think the the biggest thing was just being methodical throughout the race. Um, you know, for, for us, we had a, a good uh, Shell Penzo Mustang, one that was probably the best on the long run. Um, You know, the last 15, 20 laps of a run is where we were really shining. Um, You know, so I was just trying to make sure I had some tires on it for that moment. And uh, the thought in my mind at least was, get two cars per, per run. Um, if I can get a couple, get a couple more, get a couple more, uh, you know, I'll be in position to, to, uh, win this race and, um, you know, was able to pounce at the right times and get by Soros, which is a lot of fun racing him. Uh, you know, we're, we're friends. So it was pretty cool to see. And then, uh, you know, being able to, to maintain the lead and, and race Denny there at the end was nuts. Um, you know, and they watered down the racetrack, that's the thing with this dirt racing, man. You just don't know what you're going to have next and you're, you're forced to figure something out quickly. So um, TJ, my spotter did a good job at telling me where um, uh, Denny was and I tried moving up, but you know, it takes such a different driving style to make that work. Um, And that's, you know, on the bottom, you can keep it straight and kind of, you know, go around the, you know, kind of like asphalt on the bottom. Uh, But up top, you got to have the car pitched out and, and running around. So, uh, you know, you, you, definitely two different styles uh, of racing. So, um, and of driving in the car. And so, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to hold off Denny, you're trying to save your tires for the long run. Uh, and, and that was a pretty, pretty tough challenge for a second. And then, um, working the lap cars at the end was also a, a challenge as well. And, um, you know, luckily we were able to get through, uh, those cars and, um, and fight them off on that final restart. didn't want to see that last caution, but, um, you know, to be, uh you know the first team to be able to win on dirt in the cup series uh you know in 50 years or so uh that's something that that i'm i'm very proud of very proud of this team because this weekend you know coming into the week you you just don't know. Right? I said, that's the phrase of the week. I don't know uh, coming into this and you didn't know what you had to work on in your car. You didn't know how the race was going to play out. You don't know how the track's going to change. Uh, and it's just, you know, watching and studying and, you know, getting in a dirt car for, for uh, a few races and in, in Volusia and, and running a heat race here uh, a week ago. So, you know, all that kind of helped out and played out for us.
8: Awesome. Well, we are also joined now by our race winning crew chief, Paul Wolfe. And just a reminder, if you have a question for either Joey or Paul, just be sure to address who your question is for before asking it. We will kick it off with Jacob Seelman. Go ahead, Jacob.
1: Thanks, Sam. I I was not prepared for that. Um, For Joey, uh, your dirt modified experience that you've had between Volusia and here, uh, how big of a factor if it was a big factor at all did the lessons that you learned uh play into what you were able to do late in the race today because obviously the track conditions today are really nothing like anything else you had experienced before
6: um yeah i mean it's dry and slick and that actually was a lot like volusia in its own way but obviously the banking here in in the car itself is very different um I, i feel like the dirt racing probably helped me more on on trying to understand how to run the top lane Um, you know we're trying to keep pitching the car Uh, you know those things like that are kind of the maybe gave me a I don't say give me advantage but just maybe helped me catch up to everybody else uh, that that runs dirt regularly so um, you know I I feel like you know that there was some advantages the dirt guys have for sure out there but it's such a different car than than a late model or a modified or a sprint car or whatever you may may talk about it's it's very different so um I, I feel like the cup guys that typically drive these cars as well kind of had uh you know kind of a way of of mixing those two uh to be able to to be successful so um you know I think more than anything today really you know shows that the talent in this cup level right a race car driver is a race car driver and they're going to figure it out you know you give them time and give them a few laps they're going to figure out how to make a race car go fast and uh you know the 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 amount of good racing that we saw today um you know throughout the field uh in, in very challenging conditions a very slick track and very dusty can't even see where you're going uh you know and you saw guys that never even raced on dirt be pretty good so um it it goes to show that the talent in this nascar cup level is is something else
1: You referenced visibility and that was uh where i was going with the next question i know it's easy to be happy about how things ended when you won but if you uh put the hat on of looking towards next year and knowing that we're doing this again do you have thoughts on what you'd like to see be done differently uh for 2022 to make it a better product
6: yeah, I'm. I'm not a dirt expert by no means. Um This is my fourth race, so. Uh, but I do think that racing at night, I think is is the key to to this. I think that that brings some of the moisture up from the dirt, um, so I think that would help. Plus, you don't have the sun glaring through the dust. That's what made it really hard through turns one and two. You just you couldn't see. Um, you know, and, and you're talking to someone that ran into you know third or fourth place. Uh, you know, so I didn't really get the 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 real um, you know, worst of it. Um, but you know, I think, you know, I look at what NASCAR did in the track, um, to be able to prepare for this event. They did a great job. Obviously having a truck race before this, uh, is not easy to do to, to turn the track back around for us to go out there and run another 250 laps. Uh, it, I, I think Harvick said this is the longest dirt race in mankind. I, I think, I think it was. So, um, you know, it's just a uh, in, in incredible to see that they're able to, uh, to get the track decent and then, the amount of water they laid down the, the last stage really kept the dust down, but really changed what we had to do, um, you know, from behind the wheel and, and car adjustments as well.
8: We have also been joined by Travis Geisler, the competition director at team Penske. Our next question will come from Bob Pachris. Go ahead, Bob.
10: Yeah, this is for Joey. When the, you're leading an overtime and you're going to a single file restart that you haven't done. And I don't know, how long are you like what what do i do what's my strategy
6: yeah it brings you back to like legends car days for me <laughs> you know and and i i kind of feel like the leader is a sitting duck when they did that um be, because you kind of trying to time runs and things like that so you know as the leader you're you're in the mirror watching the car behind you um trying to time it to where he doesn't have a run on you and can make the pass uh into turn one so um you know the the restarts were it's very different than what we're used to um you know so i i would say it's probably easier to be double file restart if you're the leader um as crazy as that sounds um i I think you probably had a bigger advantage if you were uh, you know, choosing the outside and you had, you know, a row behind you um, to kind of protect you from someone making a move. So I wasn't excited when I saw that caution come out, but, uh, you know, I was able to time to start decently and um, get through one and two um, to, to be able to get some distance. And, and that that was key because uh, I was fully prepared to get the bumper. <laughs> I figured that was going to come at some point. You got a green, white checker, a Bristol. I don't care if it's dirt, concrete, you name it. Uh, there, there's probably going to be contact, uh, but was able to have a good enough start to to prevent that.
10: Did you think it was you were going to get the bumper because it was Hamlin and you know all of us watching are like oh Logano and Hamlin again? Uh, do you get do you have any of that sense of, or does any of the past come through your mind? In I don't that care situation? who's behind me.
6: I don't care who's behind me. I would just assume that's going to happen. Uh, you just it's, you, you at least prepare yourself for it uh, one way or another. So uh, you know that that was that was it. thank you. Our
8: next question will come from Dustin Long.
3: Thank you. Um, Joey, how much, um, because of the, as the rules changed, as the track changed, I don't know if it was confusion was the word, but how challenging was today with with how everything changed? There wasn't always that constant, and especially in terms of, you know, also then seeing the the, the restart change in the middle of the race.
6: Yeah, I just had to be ready to adapt. And, and that's what this weekend was about. You know, Paul and I talked about it, and, and Travis and, and all of Team Penske was just kind of, you know wh- where do we want to start, and you know, because there's like I said, there's unknowns, and you, know, you try to tune that in the best you can in, in practice. and You learn and you watch other cars, you you watch the way the track changes, and you watch a truck race earlier today. And you know, you, you, you try to just take all the information you possibly can to make the best decisions you, you can possibly as a, as a team. And um, you know, I feel like just we did a good job at that. You know, we did a good job at, at getting a race car put together um you know, that was that was pretty quick uh, especially on a long haul and um and being able to you know methodically pick your way through the field um to be positioned right at the end you know without pit stops and you know, things like that if you know you can stay up towards the front without mistakes and and that was kind of my thing is keep my car in one piece and then um keep my tires on it um because if you lose that track position it's gonna be hard to get it back also,
3: a question for Travis. Travis, you've done some stuff with the the the, uh, the next gen car. Obviously, with this race uh, returning next year, this will be with the next gen car. What are the challenges uh, with the next gen car on dirt, or things that need to be looked at uh, before next year's race?
1: Yeah, I would say D all of the above. <laughs> you know, I mean, if this car was a challenge, it's it's going to be a whole another set of challenges, and certainly early in the season for the whole industry. So we'll still be kind of new to that car, which will be. Uh, make it even more challenging. It's just this one we kind of knew so much about the history of, you know, kind of how you wreck, how things tear up, what happens throughout courses of events, you know, short tracks across the country where, you know, you you get torn up and you kind of figure out, okay, we need to reinforce this, do that. You know, that body being totally different, all the suspension being different, you know, that's um, can't really say independent or suspension has been run on dirt. Maybe I can remember John Mason trying it probably when I was about – five or six <laughs> and that was uh, pretty unsuccessful so i think we'll have a, our work cut out for us but certainly had our work cut out for us this weekend as well and you know i think just like joey mentioned you know the drivers are so high caliber i certainly agree with them it was, it was awesome to see our group just really figure it all out but i think the same goes for the guys with the cars and people who are working on them at, at every company here you know everything ran through the race and they made it you know we figured out how to do it nobody's really done it before So we'll figure it out. That's uh, that's part of what we do every week.
5: Thank you.
8: Our next question will come from Lee Spencer. Go ahead, Lee. To kind of follow up on that
9: question, um, what are your thoughts about bringing this car back next year rather than doing a Bristol purpose-made car for the event? Because, you know, I'm looking at it as much as we've heard about cost-saving measures. um, Wouldn't that be something that you know, would go a long way in in saving teams money.
1: You know, I think we all just have to take a look back after this and and kind of go over all the learnings from the past couple weeks and, you know, months trying to prep through this. It's the same process that we went through to be ready to come here was everybody getting together and talking about all the challenges. Let's work together. The teams, I think, uh, did a great job of setting aside kind of the competitive side of it and make sure that they work with NASCAR in a way that we could actually pull this off. So I think that's something to certainly consider. You know, we need to look at that and, and how that would impact, you know, what we're trying to do next season with the new car. But um, that's, that's things to probably consider over the next few weeks, months. And, you know, certainly there'll be a lot of this equipment around and uh, we can decide what we want to do with it as we go. And,
9: and Joey, can you just reflect on, on a 10-year winning streak? I mean, it's, you know, it's pretty sporty for a guy to win, um, you know, uh, every year for a whole damn decade.
6: That's pretty whole damn decade. Heck yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's I, I guess I didn't even realize that. Um, I, I guess I honestly don't take much time to look back and reflect. Um, it, it's it's kind of always what's next, and you know you've heard Roger Penske say it a million times: don't trip on your press clippings, don't look in the rearview mirror. Um, so you know I feel like maybe later in my career when I'm, when I'm done and sitting on the rocking chair uh, maybe then I'll think that stuff's cool. But right now I focus on just winning the next race and um, probably more disappointed if I don't have more wins. Um, so I, I guess it's a cool stat. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's neat for sure. Um, but I didn't even know that was a thing uh, at this point. So, um, you know, just looking at the front windshield at this moment and um, looking to get another one in a couple of weeks.
9: Well, Gaypart did warn Denny that you were the most aggressive guy in the business, but it still didn't do him any good. So congratulations.
6: <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, aggressive, uh, sometimes works for me. So I, I usually stay that way. So the, the guys were joking with me. I'm going to change my name to Joe dirt now. <laughs>
8: <laughs> Thanks. Our next question will come from Kelly Crandall. Go ahead, Kelly. Thank you. I have one for Paul and one for Joey Paul. Um, I think Joey mentioned it when he got out of the car. Nobody really knew how to prepare for this and what to do. So I'm curious, what did you and the engineers and everybody back at the shop? How did you prepare for a race weekend like this?
11: Well, there was a uh, a lot of meetings and getting together. Um, you know, obviously we have some people within our company. You know, Jeremy and and Travis and and Kevin that you know have have raced dirt in the past and have some experience. So it's really. You know, talking to those guys, being open minded, but uh, still just having a, a common sense approach, knowing that it's still still the same race car we race every week where the track's just going to have less grip. And uh, we kind of took that approach going into it. Um, the guys did a great job, obviously, um, back at the shop, preparing the cars. We came here with uh, two short practices and and executed the practices well, tried to learn as much as we could um, to get our car close. And then all race long, it was still a learning curve, you know, trying to understand the tires and adjustments with the track changing, how big of adjustments we needed to make. And um, I thought overall, obviously we, we did a good job executing, learned a lot. And um, I think everyone will go back now and, and, and digest everything and, and probably come back even smarter next time around. Joey,
8: going back to when the decision was made to go to single file restarts, you were really surprised when TJ told you that on the radio. How much do you think, if at all, that changed the complexion of the race suddenly when it's single file now and, and guys don't have track position, so to speak?
6: Yeah, I mean, it definitely changes it. Um, and I was kind of confused on why. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there's a, a great explanation, but sometimes when you're in the car, you don't see it. And I haven't really watched back at things that it, it might have been for the dust. I think maybe to keep everyone more towards uh, one lane, maybe to help the dust. I, I, I don't know if that's what it was for, or we were just crashing too much. And <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, when you, when you grow up racing and you crash too much, you know, the sanctioning body comes back and says, okay, single file restart. You guys can't do this. <laughs> I don't know if that's what it was either. I, I have no idea, but uh, you know, it definitely took me back in time, uh, you know, trying to figure out, okay, how do I restart with, with single file restarts? Cause it's, literally been since you know legends car days for me back in you know I don't know 99 or so uh, since I've, I've done something like that so I was trying to think of all the little short track tricks that that I've learned when I was a kid um, and, and trying to put it to work in, in a cup level which is kind of funny right I mean the, the things you learn growing up as a race car driver a young kid uh, th- those techniques and, and little tricks uh, stick with you forever and you never know when you need them
8: next question will come from Alan Cavana. Go ahead,
9: Alan. Hey, Joey. Congratulations. Um, Talking about being aggressive earlier, um, Denny was flat out asked, why not go through the 22? And he
6: responded, well, me and the 22 race differently. I don't have that mentality, Denny Hamlin said. And I just wonder whether it's real or perceived. Do you mind having that reputation as an aggressive driver? I feel like everybody's aggressive right now <laughs> that's honestly when I look at what everybody's doing on the racetrack I, I don't maybe I was the first to it and, and so that reputation stuck with me but I could promise you I watch every one of these races back and I'm not the only one being aggressive you look at this 550 rules package everybody's aggressive look at the restarts it's, it's insane I promise you I am not the most aggressive guy on the racetrack anymore. Uh, there's times I look at it and say, maybe I need to be more aggressive. So, you know, I, the the game has changed a lot. Um, that reputation is probably with me because, you know, probably five, six years ago, uh, you know, that, that reputation started with me. But but the comparison the competitors have changed and, and evolved over time to where everybody's aggressive. Nobody gives up spots. Uh, there's, there's not much give and take out there on a the racetrack anymore. We're racing and you know what, that's what the fans buy the tickets to see, uh, is, is racing. And that's what we're going to continue to do. So, um, you know, that, that might just be a reputation that stays with me, but I, I don't feel like it's, it's the most, uh, truthful thing anymore these days. All right. Thank you. Yep.
8: Our next question will come from Steven Conley. Go ahead, Steven.
11: Yeah. Joey, you mentioned earlier about being the first uh, cup winner on dirt in 50 years. I was kind of wondering in, in regards to all of your achievements that you had, can you rank this? Does, is that up there with like the Daytona 500 and some of your bigger wins over your career?
6: Anytime you win at Bristol, it's special. Um, you know, We've been able to, to win the Bristol night race a couple times um, and, and coming back to Bristol and uh, when a dirt race, <laughs> yeah, it's special. Obviously, uh, it's up there. Can you compare it to the Daytona 500? I don't think you, you really can, um, Daytona Brickyard, uh, Southern 500 Bristol, you know, they're, they're all big races, right. They're all kind of crown jewels, uh, that we look at, um, or big Coke 600 as well. I'd put in there. Um, you know, it's definitely a big race to win. You know, it's definitely one that you want to have on your bucket list winning at dirt. Uh, know, yeah, that's something special. You know, you can say now if, one on super speedways and short tracks and dirt tracks. And you know, so it's that's kind of a neat thing to, to put the, on your resume, I guess. But, um, you know, I mean, I, I think of big races to win, right? And the biggest one is, is if you're in a championship four at Phoenix, right? That's that's the biggest race every year if you can get to that point. So uh, this is a, a good step towards that direction today. And,
11: and Paul, I, I'm wondering about the uh, um, the – the pit crew guys, you didn't have your regular pit crew, uh, as per NASCAR rules. I wonder what the training sessions were like getting your crew guys to go over the wall and how much fun did they have doing this today? Well, they had a lot of fun. I know they were all looking forward to it and making jokes about it, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we just have a great group of guys that, that can step up uh, when we need them to. And, you know, there wasn't, uh, you know, fortunately we didn't have a lot of damage today. So it was, it was pretty calm um, on our pit stops, getting the tires and fuel in it, um, and then just, uh, you know, looking the car over for, for any little damage or, or potential issues. But uh, fortunately, it was pretty calm, and, and everyone did a great job.
8: Well, Travis, Paul, thank you both so much for joining us today, and congratulations.
11: All right, Thanks. Thank you.
8: Our next question will come from Jeff Magliaschetti. Go ahead, Jeff.
12: Thank you, Samantha. Joey, thank you for joining us. Congratulations on another win. As we go into a bit of a landmark on the Cup Series schedule, you know, we've knocked off the first track that's new to everyone in Bristol Dirt, having run at the Daytona Road Course last year. So how do you feel about where your number 22 team is at at this point of the year and how great does it feel in this year of
9: parity to get a win right now and not worry about it later?
6: Yeah, I was I was getting nervous about it to be honest with you. Um, you know, you start seeing you know drivers and teams win that you put on the maybe can win mm-hmm. list, um, and, and some that you would really put on a list that you never thought would would win. You know, um, and, and and some of those guys have have you know really uh, gotten a few this year. So you know, we were up there in points. I think I think we're second in points coming into this weekend. Um, you know so you're you're up there on the points but you still don't have that win in your back pocket and you're like man a few bad races we could miss the playoffs still as many different winners. There is. And you look at Daniel Soros up there today leading laps that went through my mind at one point. I was like, Oh my gosh, is he going to win a race? And then there's another, you know, step back. So, um, you know, all that's very concerning for sure. Um, you know, very cool to see our sport with the parody. Um, I I'd rather not have the parody and just see the the shell Penzo Mustang up front every single lap, but, um, you know, I think for the fans, it, it definitely brings something to the table and it's pretty exciting right now um, where you just don't know who's going to be strong. And I think some of that is due to the changes, um, you know, with, with the with the uh, schedule, but also, you know, a lot of that probably is due to to not having practice uh, more than anything. Um I do believe when 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 you have practice, uh, you know, the good race teams and good drivers, uh, they know how to to adjust their car to maximize the performance. Um, And when you don't give them practice, you kind of tie their hands to to, you know, trying to make it the best educated guesses at the shop. And um, if it's not right it's really hard to overcome that. So nice to be able to, um, like I said, get one here fairly early in the year. To um, head into Easter break. Uh, it's nice to have an extra week to celebrate and enjoy it.
12: And And uh, calling the truck race today, I guess we're going to have to get uh, Brad in there next because you call it, you win. Ryan calls it, he wins. So were you able to take any lessons from watching the truck race onto a track you had never run before, say for the uh, practice laps on Thursday and apply it to the cup
4: event?
6: Um, maybe a little bit. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed doing the, the broadcasts up there uh, with Fox. I've done quite a few of them this year and, um, you know, doing the die the racing stuff from, the, from uh, Fox and doing Race Hub. And I, I really enjoy the TV side um, mm-hmm. of our sport and, and um, you know, trying to, you know, put my two cents in as a as a race car driver that just got out of the seat. Uh, of what's going on out there on the racetrack and i'm a race fan i absolutely love this stuff i mean this is this is my life i love nascar racing so i love talking about it and be around it um so it's kind of a natural fit for me um do i feel like i learn a lot up there you know sometimes i do uh, you know, I pick up on a couple things for sure today watching, um, you know, I, I found a few things, but there's also a job to do up there, you know? And, and if I was just up there studying the race the whole time, I really wouldn't say much, you know, I'd just be taking notes the whole time. So a couple of mental notes on some things that I saw and, and, um, you know, it's probably more helpful to actually be in the truck race, but, uh, I'd say it worked out. all right. Awesome. Well, thanks, Joey. Good luck for the rest of the year. Thank you. Our next question will
8: come from Daniel McFadden. Go ahead, Daniel.
1: Hey, Joey. So uh, Bristol announced, you know, during the final stage break that they were going to be doing this again next year. If, if that news had been relayed to you, like in that moment when you're sitting down on pit road waiting to, to go back on the track, what would your reaction to that have been in that moment? <laughs>
6: um you know, it's funny. I like how they waited to see if it was going well before they announced we're doing this again. <laughs> All right, this race is going good. We'll do it again. Uh, smart play. Smart play by SMI. So, um, you know, I, I think, um, Yeah, obviously, I'm excited. If they told me during the race, maybe I wouldn't have much emotion because I kind of had a bigger thing in my mind at the moment trying to win on this dirt track. But now I'm excited about it for a lot of reasons. Obviously, um, you know, this is a great event. Would I look at the week before and the weeks coming here, um, bringing the the short track, you know, late models, sprint cars, modified street stocks, you know, mini stocks. I mean, they're racing everything at Bristol. And when I think of just racers, you know, short track Saturday night racers, um, racing here at Bristol. I remember my first experience coming to Bristol and I guarantee you, you know, the thousand of of cars that have been here um, over the last few weeks and are coming uh, their first time walking into Bristol and driving around this racetrack is a very special moment. So it's really cool that, that, you know, SMI and Bristol's giving, um, you know, these, these drivers and teams the opportunity to race on the big track, you know, the high banks Uh, really cool, excited about that. And I'm excited that we're going to do it again next year, because unfortunately this year, you look at the situation with COVID. Um, boy, when they announced this race, I thought it was going to be a sellout, and, and I do think it will be a sellout once we're able to have full capacity back at these racetracks. Because um, this is this is a crazy show, and and being able to, you know, look at Bristol with dirt on it. You know, everyone wants to see that in person. You know, I, I, when I came up here last week uh, to race that modified you know, I walked up in the grandstands and looked at the racetrack I was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Like, it's just crazy to, to even think how this is possible. Um, so, you know, kudos to, to Bristol, um, Marcus Smith, those guys to, to really come together and put on a, uh, an event that's, and that's what it is. It's an event. It's an, a crazy, amazing event that they're able to put on and, and um, they should be proud of themselves. This is a big risk, really big risk um, that I know not many teams, teams were behind and, um, you know, it worked out well. So congratulations.
1: Uh, earlier, Denny said that at times the race felt like old Bristol where you're getting knocked out of the, out of the groove and you're, you're, you know, you're falling back. Did, did it feel like that way to you at times tonight?
6: Um, yeah, I mean, eventually the bottom was the place to be <laughs> and, uh, and passing cars was, was hard. Um, really hard to do because, you know, cars would wrap the bottom, you know, so far around the corner to try to get that straight launch off the corner to try to get forward drive. Well, when cars wrap the corner that long, like, how do you get underneath them, right? How do you continue the run, uh, to get underneath them? Um, you know, and you're trying to go over the, the dirtles, um, you know, on the exit trying to get drive and then it's just cars are moving and, um, it, it's crazy, you know, so, um, yeah you know what it it, it really shows us that you don't have to be going 200 miles an hour to put on a great race (laughs) yeah I wouldn't say we were going that fast today and it was a lot of fun and the drivers were having a blast and and I know the fans enjoyed it as well thank you yep
8: we'll take our final question from Ashley McCoven go ahead Ashley
5: Joey, thanks for your time today and congratulations. I know this is a bit of a one off being Bristol Dirt, but how much confidence does this give you in having that win now going into the break, but also when we turn at Martinsville, a track that you've had a lot of success at before?
6: Yeah, you know Martinsville obviously is a great racetrack for us. It's a great racetrack for Paul Wolf, <laughs> uh, maybe even more so for me. So um, glad to be driving his car there. Uh, you know, it seems like they've they've been able to to have some good cars there in the past. So um, excited about going to Martinsville. Um, honestly, I'm going to enjoy this though first. <laughs> I feel like we never enjoy victories enough, so uh, we'll enjoy this and um, you know have a, a great Easter break uh, with our families and and um, you know fire away when we get back.
5: And with that in mind, too, how would you evaluate your season so far now that we've been to a bit of each track, different track on the schedule?
6: You know, I, I look at our season, our, our 750 rules package is spectacular. Um, you know, capable of winning um, every time we've been out with that, whether it's been the road courses, Phoenix, um, you know, been, been pretty good. So, obviously, that gets me excited about Martinsville and, and, and today, you know, kind of like a 750 package. I don't know what you'd call this one, but um, we had the big motors in it at least. Um, you know, our 550 stuff is a weakness um, and we need to continue to work at that to try to understand um, where, where we're off there. Um, you know, I wouldn't say we're way off, but, you know, we're, we're not in contention to win yet uh, with, those, with those races. So um, just got to keep looking at it and trying to figure out where that's at.
8: Thanks for your time today. And thank you, Samantha.
6: Thank so,
9: you.
8: Joey, we actually have one more question for you. It's coming from the chat from Matt Weber. When you won the night race in 2014, you called it the biggest mamma jamma. What do you call winning one? And where does winning the first Bristol dirt race rank to you? <laughs>
6: uh, that's funny. I I don't know what the words come out of my mouth sometimes. I don't know. Maybe I should think more before I talk. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you'd call this. Obviously, it's just a, 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 a special Um you know, like I said, winning on dirt, um, saying that have been able to do that. And, and like I said earlier, winning on every different type of racetrack, um, is special. And, and, you know, there's, no one else actively that can say they've done that right now. Um, you know, on, you know, cause this is the only dirt cup race we've had in 50 years. So, um, you know, that's, that's something that, uh, I take some pride in for sure. Um, knowing that I'm a, a versatile driver, um you know and you have to be in this level in the cup series that's what's so attractive to me about racing in nascar um, is that you can race different types of racetracks you're just bumping and banging there's different you know disciplines you have to be good at um and it's a real real challenge it's really really hard to race at this level um so i i really take pride in you know trying to figure that out and enjoy the work that we put into that
0: That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Bucky Burt Show. We hope you have a wonderful Easter, and we'll catch you next week.